business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. FM and thank you so much for joining us. It's not often that I really wait a whole week for a show and I'm really, really excited to put a show together because this show I was meant to do last week and our guest was not able to make it, so I had to wait a whole week. But just as I said to you at the end, at the end of the show last week, that if there's anybody out there who's looking to buy property out of South Africa, and more specifically in Israel, this is the show for you to tune into because it's not going to be one of those high-level, figured uh, shows where we're talking about the detail of currency. It's more about the nature of the property, the nature of buying, the nature of investing out the country. Our location is Israel. Our location is specifically, we are speaking to a, a, a state agent in Jerusalem, but someone with a global understanding, someone with an understanding about the South African market as well, and someone who's really reinvented the way property is is not only shown, but the way that it's portrayed. And I had a personal experience where I went on to a, a Zoom conference call about a particular area in Netanyahu, which is in Israel. And I was just amazed at the quick, easy information that I got without it being at a high level where I had to sift through what is sales gump and what is practical information. Because the people I was speaking to, some of them are new, and most of them live in the area, were English-speaking, and it was really, really easy to access. So, Kim Bash, welcome to High FM. Thank you so much. And for those of you who are thinking that you recognize the name, yes, it is a South African, and it is a Johannesburg girl. I think maybe from Durban originally. Correct. But, uh, take us through, let's get straight into the meat of it. Tell us what you do, what your business is, and then we'll take it from there. Okay, thank you so much. So I've been in real estate for the last 10 years. Um, I was working in the luxury market for many years. Um, and over the last couple of months, I've started to, and we'll go back maybe in the end of the call, we'll talk about how this whole Zoom thing came about, but starting to work um, all over Israel to find affordable housing for the growing um, Anglos that are coming in with Aliyah on the rise. So that's basically how I started doing all the Zoom calls in the beginning to find affordable housing for people that are coming in. Um, but the market in, I, I focus, I must just stress, my experience is mostly in Yerushalayim, in Jerusalem. That is where I am based. However, because of what I've been doing now with the Zoom calls, I have an education, I've educated myself a lot on the real estate market throughout Eretz Israel, throughout Israel. Um, what's going on now, pre-COVID times, the market has always been stable in Israel. It's a very solid investment. We have a lot of foreign buyers. Most of my clients are all coming from America, Canada, Australia, some from South Africa, England, all Anglos. Um, and most of them were buying vacation homes in Israel to secure a property in Israel. What's changed in the market is that people are buying bigger homes. If they're not making Aliyah, they're trying to secure a home in Israel that they know that if they need to come to Israel, that they have a large enough property that will be able to accommodate their family. So that's generally the, the, what I've seen change. Um, in terms of 
the market right now, we have not seen a decline in the market. What we think will happen um, in the next couple of months, people took out mortgage holidays. So for those people who are unable, if they've lost their jobs or are unable to keep their mortgages going, then we may see a decline in the market. And um, then the prices of, of those particular properties, it will be that the, the sellers will need to be a little bit more flexible on their pricing of their houses. Um, but the demand, especially now, I would say the, the biggest demand right now is from America. And because of the political situation in the States right now, you're finding a lot of Jews that are applying, you know, making Aliyah, wanting to get you as soon as possible. So the demand is very, very great. And I'm actually selling properties without people seeing them. And what that means is people are sending their cousins, their brothers, their sisters, whoever's in Israel, me, just to go and look at properties. I'm doing um, FaceTime with people to look at properties, um, you know, and people are buying. So uh, that's, it's a little bit different from it was. And and the other thing is that we had a a whole month, uh, three or four months where the market was just nobody left, we were all in lockdown. So we couldn't show properties. And as Israel's market opened up again, we were able to show properties to clients. Um, some of the deals I did were pre-COVID that were already in uh, contract um, and they went hold for a little bit. We did lose some deals because some people couldn't, the banks wouldn't guarantee their mortgages. So then some deals did fall through. Okay, but does that not push the property prices up? If there's been a rush on the market and everybody's scrambling for properties, one thing we know about Israel is that space is limited. If you right. want you can go down south, you can have as much as you want, but if you want to be in Jerusalem, space is at a premium. Absolutely. Does it push the prices up? Absolutely. And anybody, I always say to these other agents also out here on the market, what's going, oh, the prices is a buyer's market now. I disagree. I think that the market is strong. I think there may be a little bit dip in the market, you know, in the next couple of months, but then they will rise up again. So, um, and especially in places like any of the high um, concentrated uh, areas like Modena and Jerusalem and Tel Aviv and Renana are always going to be very, very in high demand. Kim, we need to take a quick ad break. Um, but before we do, I just need to let you know that if you can't beat this innovation from Discam, then you've got a problem because this is a real, what they call a clinic connect. Let Discam nurses take care of you. All you need to do it's, if it's necessary, a nurse will contact your doctor and facilitate it via video. At Discam, you are cared for from diagnosis to dispensary, from script, repeats, and even more. Even a doctor's note is should you need one. Clinic Connect, only from Discam, pharmacists who care. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to speak to you about investing in Jerusalem for the rental market. Craig, take us to the ads. This is RV on Business. On the line from with me is Kim Bash from the Holy City of Jerusalem. And we are talking about property. And um, if you missed the intro, Kim is a ex-South African who is an estate agent living in the old city of Jerusalem. Kim, um, one thing that I've had really pleasant experiences of is renting flats in Jerusalem over the Jewish holidays for a shorter period. Um one thing about it is it's not a cheap exercise. Um, it's, it's efficient. It's very sophisticated. 
Um, I, I must just share that we ran from a particular agent that I've rented to from two or three times. And only in Israel could you have this religious dynamic coming into it where this agent lives in B'nai Brak and she doesn't have a smartphone. <laughs> doesn't work on WhatsApp. She only works on email. And there's always this delay until I realized that she constantly has to open her laptop to check the emails. And it's within those limits that she works. And it's just tremendous to see someone who is ultra-Orthodox, yet running a very sophisticated, efficient business. <laughs> um, and one just needs to get their head around that, okay, so there's no WhatsApp. There wasn't WhatsApp five years ago anyway. And yet everything runs. But um, from your experience, if someone is listening and they think, I want to buy a nice flat in Jerusalem, I'm happy to spend money, but I want the location, I want access to the old city, I want to be close to the action of the city center, am I going to be able to rent out my flat on an ongoing basis and cover the, the what we would call here the um, the, the nono and the rates and taxes and the levies, et cetera, et cetera? So pre-COVID, I would have said yes. Right now, it's a little bit of uncertainty in the market. What's happened with the Airbnb market right now? It's a difficult time now. So let's, let's discount the COVID time. Okay, so discount that. So generally, yes, a very good uh, investment, especially within 20 minutes walk to the old city. That is generally where people are looking to make that kind of investment because um, that's generally where people want to be. Um, and those are the most expensive locations. Mamilla, David's Village, if people know where I'm talking about, with right outside the old city walls. There's a new project called the Legacy Project, which is behind the first phase of like it was called it's called David's Village. Um, and then you've got the Talbia, anywhere by the hotels, um, is always very, very popular. The only thing is that the price of purchase on those properties um are, are pretty steep. So you're looking at buying something, a two-bedroom apartment will cost you over a million, $1.5 million for those locations. Oh, if they have the, a, a view of the Are we talking dollars or shekels? Oh, so we're talking dollars, but I have to actually go back and say this, that it used to be that Israel, that Israeli um, uh, sales were all done, all the market was done in uh, dollars. But now everything's gone back to shekels. The shekels are stronger. So very rare, it will be a very rare uh, situation where I'll sell a property that is priced in U.S. dollars. It's okay. all uh, priced in shekels. Yes. Can we talk in shekel then? Yes, we can talk in shekels. So you're looking at... Exe at the moment is giving us a rate of 4.88. Call it 4.9. Call it 5. 5 rand to the shekel. Okay, so, so you, you can do the math there, but you're looking at approximately, I would say for a property in that area, we will cost anything between 6 million shekels for a three-bedroom apartment. Maybe if we're lucky, 5.5 million shekels. What's that in, in rands? Uh, give it a couple of, a few rand changes, like 20, 20, 29.5 million rands. Okay. I think once you finish with transfer fee or bank fees and all that on South African side, you can call it 50 million rand prior to any uh, costs and fees that you're going to pay in your job. Okay. I, I compare it to like buying a place in Manhattan or London. 
because that's what the prices are like. Your yield is never going to be that great. You need to know because the prices are very high. So you're lucky if you're going to make a 2 or 3% yield on those properties. Now, during, for example, the Hagim time, you're talking Sukkot, Pesach, and the summer holidays, that is when you have an influx of all your, you know, people coming in. For example, in Mamilla, which is, you know, right outside the new Mamilla residence, those places will rent, if they have a nice large sukkah balcony, for $25,000, sorry, dollars. So um, what is that, 50,000 shekels, even more than that at a time for 14 days. So it's, yeah. you know, but you do have to, it's, it, it's quite a hefty price to pay. If you're willing to go a little bit out, another area which I want to tell you, which has also become very popular is the city center by Ben Yehuda Street. All yes, along yes. the street. And you can get much, uh, very good properties. Um, they don't have any views of the old city, but they very close walk to Mamilla, 10 minutes, 15 minutes walk to the old city. And what's happened is, uh, I don't know if you're um, familiar with the term, what's called a Tama 38. There's a lot of urban renewal. So you've got these old buildings that have all been um, refaced, taken, had made facelifts basically on these buildings. And the developer gets to build another two and a half floors up. It's called Tama 30 Quake Safe. And the developer, how they make their money is they get the permission to build an extra two and a half floors on top of the existing building. And what the existing tenants, these are usually small buildings, like four floors. And they'll basically redo the whole outside of the building. Each existing apartment will gain square meters, whether it's another room, like 20 square meters. And the building, if it doesn't have an elevator, they'll put an elevator in the building. They'll zhuzh up the lobby, make the lobby look nice. And that is where, you know, a lot of people are getting better pricing, better prices on the apartments. Uh, there's a lot of um, pre-sale prices, pre-construction. You know, before they've even got their permits, you can you are able to guarantee get an apartment and put down seven percent in escrow um and payments will continue as the building gets their permits and they start to build so that's where people have found that they get the best deals now the problem with those kind of um sorry one last thing on that the problem with that is expectations because anytime you're buying off plan you really you don't know really what you're going to get so you can deal with a great builder but if you're not here to oversee it you need a project manager who's going to really take care of you um, if you're just buying for investment, it's different because you don't really, you know, it's not really, uh, you're not going to be living it or it's just for an investment. No, what you said is so true. I remember the first time my wife and I went to Israel, um, and recently, and we rented an apartment and we were very lucky. There was a parking lot right across. We parked and we walked across and I looked at this thing and just like 1920s just screamed at me. And I was really, really nervous because it looked like a nice part of town, but the building was old. And so were the buildings to the right and the left of it. And when I walked in, the stairway was narrow and the lift was decrepit. Not that it didn't work, but it, and then when you opened the front, the door of the apartment, you just walked into a different century. All of a sudden it was fresh and clean and not that the building wasn't clean, but it was just modern. And I've got really used to that um, in Jerusalem where a, a door on the side that you might just think actually means nothing. It's sort of there as, I don't know, it's a picturesque door. You open it, there's actually an access to a whole building that you can't see. So you've got all these 
hidden treasures all over the show. But let's let's move further afield. So we've really ascertained that buying a prop in Jerusalem, especially with the views of the old city, is not a cheap exercise. The returns are there, but the returns are two, three percent a year. Um, what people need to juxtapose that with is what we call the risk-free rate here in South Africa. South Africa today, you put the money or money in the bank and you prepare to put it away, or in government bonds, you're going to get six percent. So. To get 6%, to get 2% with the currency, the carry trade, all that taken into consideration, you need to be looking at having owning hard currency and owning fixed investment in Israel. But let's start talking a little bit broader. If we, if, if there's a young couple or a, a people who don't have 30 million rand lying around to buy a property, they're looking to come to Israel and they're looking to go to one of the more popular places, Natanya, um, Ranana, maybe Modi Inn. And, you know, as the whole campaign is now being rolled out, go south, looking at the properties in the south, which is a lot more affordable. Um, what would your advice be to people who are coming on Aliyah, going to Israel, and they, they just want a place to stay and they just want to get started? Do you rent or do you look to buy before you arrive? It's a very good question. I would not buy straight away um, unless you know the area very well and that you know that this is where you're going to be because that's, you know, the reason I started the Zooms was finding communities for people where there was a high concentration of Anglos. So some of the locations that South Africans are actually um, going to are places in Netanya. There's areas called Harish and Kirata Sharon, which are not in your main Netanya um, area, it's a little bit out and those are much cheaper options for people. The mo- more expensive like South Netanya, Poleg and Ir Yamim, where a lot of South Africans have also bought, but those are more expensive locations. For young couples coming in, you're looking at rental prices of between 4,000 shekels for a three bedroom to 6,000 shekels. And it's very hard because it really depends on the building. Like you said, if it's a walk-up, if it's got an elevator, is it a new building? Um, renovated, not renovated. Does it have parking? Does it have a storage room? These are all factors that come into when one is looking to rent. But I don't think, I think for the first year, until one is sure that this is the location they want to be in, I think a rental makes a lot more sense than to buy straight away. Again, unless you have people there that you know and you feel it's really, really good. The other area people are going is Talmond, which is popular with South Africans. Talmont, um, it's a phenomenal community. Um, and it's just outside Renana. Renana was, uh, for many people, very expensive. So they, there was an overflow into Talmont. And one of the developers there um, is South African, and he's built most of Talmont, Darren Platsky. He's fantastic. Um, and there's a lot of housing opportunities for people there as well. I also think when people come for the first year, it gives them an opportunity to have a base and then to travel around a bit and to see, okay, maybe this is not for me. Maybe this neighborhood's not for me. Maybe hashkatha. Maybe whatever. I need to be with more like-minded people. It depends. You know, you have to figure it out when you get here. A lot of people also, depending on their jobs, what kind of work they're going to be doing. Very important for me when I'm selling properties is, is there public transport? Because not everybody wants, it's not like South Africa where you have to have a car. Israel, the public transport system is fantastic. So a lot of people are looking to be able to be able to commute to Tel Aviv, to be able to commute to Yerushalayim. It's not uncommon for somebody to sit on a train 
for 45 minutes. That's what people do in New York when they're living in Brooklyn or, or in Queens or where they will take a train to their jobs. So it's a different mindset. In South Africa, we're very used to getting into our car and driving to our offices. Yeah, people will take transportation, not a problem. McKinney, you really made such a good point. And we know when we were, when I was in Israel in December, I spent a Shabbos or a Shabbat in Tomon and I spent one in Yad Binyamin and both communities are just absolutely phenomenal. Um, warm, accepting, open, um, transparent. People are not looking to get you in there for any ulterior motives. They want you to come into the area where you can be part of society, where you can add and that you can contribute and that at the same time you can benefit. So the word that I think is spread around a lot is soft landing. Yes. Anywhere where you can have a soft landing, even if it doesn't work out in the long run. Go somewhere where you know, you know, for example, if you are an individual where Shabbat is not important and you want to be able to go to the beach on a Saturday and soccer and you want to be able to have a whole vibe, then, you know, looking in the heart of Jerusalem might not be for you, but there are certain places in Haifa and Tel Aviv that you could be very happy in. And if those don't work out, then you could also move. But let's just talk a little bit about rentals or fleshing it out. And again, I'm going to paint the South African scenario. If you rent in South Africa as a tenant, you pay your rent, but together with that, you need to pay a deposit, either one or two months, depending then you pay your utility. So you pay whatever you use. You pay your water, you pay your electricity. These days, a lot of it is prepaid, which makes it a lot easier. And then if you've got a really difficult landlord, they will make you pay for like the sewage and the garbage, which is not really correct because those are fixed sort of costs. But you've got your rental and then you've got... Is it much different in Israel? So in Israel, the... First of all, usually uh, the landlord will require three months up front, okay? It's quite a lot of money. And also a guarantor. If you're not, you know, it depends on, on them. They want sometimes a guarantor or two guarantors. That they also require 12 months of rent of checks up front. Each situation is different. Um, you're responsible for electricity, your water, your gas. Um, what else? Anona. Anona is your municipal tax. And that's paid, um, it's a once a year, once a year uh, payment, but you can pay it over mon- monthly. And it also depends on the location where you are and where you are in Israel, because in Jerusalem, it's very different to everywhere else. And in some locations, depending where it is, it's even higher. Is the tenant responsible for all those Correct. costs? Yes. So as a landlord, you receive your rental plus all the expenses of the property related to it, and you it's all covered by your tenant. Correct. Wow. So let me ask you, if I go online now and I find a property for 6,000 shekel rental, is that a honest uh, figure or does so that it's, have... It's, it's because that's how we sell, that's how we rent properties in Israel. So it's a known, you know, that's something that a broker should always tell somebody um, it's the same as we'll go into about closing costs, you know, when you buy, when you purchase a property, but rentals are the same. But sometimes it depends on the landlord. He may require two months or three months up front. Um, some of them want a long-term lease. They don't just want a yearly lease. Um, again, it could be a long-term lease. There'll be a clause in there to say that they may want to raise the rent on you after a year as well. 
Um, and I always advise that people take a real estate lawyer, especially if you're coming as a foreigner and you don't speak the language. You absolutely have to have somebody who understands what the contract says. And also, you may also be responsible for, um, it's not always, you know, if there's a, a leak or there's something going on, if there's plumbing that needs to be done, it may not be the, the landlord's uh, responsibility if you stuffed tissues down the toilet and blocked the, you know, the sewerage or something that could be up to the tenant to pay. It all depends on the situation. And that's very important to check out the contract. Okay. What I'm hearing from you very clearly is that it is a different playing field to here in South Africa, for example. The basic rules are similar, but the intricacies are vastly, vastly different. And it is absolutely crucial that one understands these before you get there. Because you might say, look, I'm really stretching myself to pay this rent. But if you need to have two or three months up front deposited prior to paying your rent, that's a game changer all of a sudden where you maybe you could have been comfortable at 7,000 shekel. You might not only be, not only be comfortable at 4,000 shekel because you need to have these um, lump sums that get put down and, uh, and, and, and put aside and held by the tenant. When do you get that back? When your lease so is when up? your last usually your last they use it as your last month's rent. One of the payments. Usually. Oh, okay. That's sometimes how okay. it does work, and they they will hold on to their payment until an inspection is done of the property when you leave. Let's put the price aside because that is individualistic. But take us through the mechanics of okay. buying property. So what's very important that buyers know, potential buyers know, is that there is. Uh, considerable, considerably high closing costs on a, on a, on a purchase in Israel, up to approximately 11% on top of your purchase price. Now, what that covers is a purchase tax, acquisition tax. Now, that's a little complicated because it depends if you are a new immigrant, um, making Aliyah, or you are already living in Israel, a foreign buyer. It all, it depends on, on what your status is. So that can be anything from, 0% to 5% if you're a new immigrant. If you're a foreign buyer, it's 8% no matter what on top of your purchase price. Um, and then you've got your lawyer's fees. A standard lawyer will be 1% plus VAT and your broker's fees. Now, in South Africa, I believe the seller pays the broker. Is that correct? So in yeah. Israel, it doesn't work like that. It's the buyer and the seller that pay that fee. It's 2% on both sides. So usually an agent is representing the buyer or the seller. Sometimes agents will represent both. Another thing with the agents in, in Israel is that we all pull from the same pot. A lot of the time, the agents will all work together. So you're looking on top of your purchase price. If you could have it in your head, eight between 8 and 11%. 8% as a new immigrant, 11% as a foreign buyer. And these are very, you know, you'd have to work out with a real estate lawyer. Um Mortgage rates, now they're at an all-time low. That's what my mortgage uh, broker told me. Um, anything from 2.1 to 2.5% on adjustable uh, dollar-linked rates. And then on fixed rates, anything from 275 to 4% um, on, on mortgages. I have a great mortgage broker. I'm happy to put anybody in touch with them as well. Uh, as a foreign buyer, 50% upfront. And as an Israeli, 30%. Now, those so 15 to 25 years. Are, are just unheard of. Absolutely unheard of. South Africa went into meltdown when we could no longer get 100% bonds. 
And uh, not only, you know, was that a problem, there was a stage where you could not only get a 100% bond, but that 11% you could add into your bond also, into your mortgage. So you could just factor the whole thing in. Then they stripped out the costs. Then they stripped out 100% down to 90. Um, and it's very unusual not to be getting able to get 90 or 80 at, at the very, very least. So let me ask you this. At the end of the day, if you just take a rough property, and I'm showing my weakness at maths over here, 3 million tackle, 10% is 300, 30% is 900,000 shekel that you need to come up with in cash. We know that the average Israeli is not living way, um, not earning massive salaries. They're batting to get by. It's often a two or three or a four job family with, you know, both spouses working and then doing other things. How does one accumulate that type of money in order to buy? Or is Israel a society where the wealthy own the property and the populace just rent indefinitely? So it's a very good question, and I think it really depends on the locations in Israel because you have a lot of the older Israelis who managed to acquire properties. 1970s where they were able, even in the old city, they, people, some people have been living here, were able to get properties that now are millions and millions of dollars that they bought for $180,000. So sometimes um, it's an inherited property that they have got from their grandparents as well. And believe it or not, the, the luxury market now, a lot of Israelis with startups have made a lot of money and are entering into the luxury market world. So we find some of the, the best penthouses in Tel Aviv, which go for millions of dollars, are actually owned by Israelis. Um, but having said that, I mean, I think that there is a huge rental market, more than there is um, people being able to buy. If you're prepared to go into areas that are a little bit more pioneering, that are start, starting new communities, um, then you can get a lot more bang for your buck. There's a new area now, which I actually did a great Zoom call on, called um, Kame Gut which is uh, towards the south. It's on the train line. And there you can purchase uh, properties for maybe $300,000. If you're prepared to go up even on the Yishuvim, like the Kibbutzim side as well, you can acquire land and build your own house. It's still expensive, but there are more affordable housing options available if you're prepared to go a little bit out. Now, for South Africans, it's a little bit of a challenge because – the lifestyle is so different and they're not that it's not, it's not going to, I think personally, it's better to, if you want to make a successful Aliyah, if Aliyah is going to be something that is in your mind, I definitely would choose to go to an area which is more established because otherwise you'll be like, let me get back onto the plane back to South Africa. So I think it's very important that you surround yourself by Anglos and that you go to areas that have a high concentration of English speakers because it's hard enough when you leave everything, you know, you know, coming from the South African comfortable, what we call necessities here, luxuries. It's not the same kind of living. It's a much more simpler way of living. Um, I could chat indefinitely going forward on this topic, but I'm looking at the clock. We've got three and a half minutes left. Oh dear. Okay. Let's go back to you. How do people get in hold of you? What is the scope of your services, okay. et cetera? Okay, so I just want to quickly say that I changed the way I sell real estate now. I've decided that I would a house is not just a house. A house is your community. Your community then becomes your home. And it's very important for me to make that match 
with people. So a lot of the time I'm consulting where people want to live, what kind of community they want to be in, what children, you know, their children, where they're going to go to school, with the best opportunities for the family as a whole. Um, obviously it's different if somebody's just investing in Israel and securing a property because then it depends on where they want to be. Um, but I run Zoom calls every week where we discover and look into different um, areas with high concentration of Anglos. And it's every single Sunday and Israel time, 9 p.m., which is 8 o'clock South African time. Is that right? Yeah, 8 o'clock. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they can find me on Facebook, Kim Bash. I'm on Instagram as well. Um, just Google me, Kim Bash. You can give out, I don't know if you want to give out my, my telephone number or my email address, Kim, K-I-M. Elbash at gmail.com. But anybody can, can find me. I have a lot of South African friends. Um, so uh, please reach out. I'm also do one on one. If you want to have a phone call with me privately just to discuss options, I'm absolutely happy to uh, give you the time. So Kim, what I was really impressed by when I was on your Zoom call and chatting to you over the last week is that you don't profile clients by the depth of their pockets. You're happy to hear, help someone who wants to buy that multi-million dollar property overlooking the old city. And at the same time, you're really happy to help that couple that is young, leaving South Africa with, with, without anything and uh, looking to just to find a community. And, and I thought that was not only noble, but it's also a brilliant business practice because you never know who's going to end up where and you never know who's going to be who. And if you can help everybody at a different stage, so you are able to build a network. One's going to be careful not to get swamped where you become a dispensary for free advice and <laughs> uh, get paid. But um, that's really, really great. So really just wishing you everything of the best. Um, I'm just looking at the, the, your, your, your Zoom uh, pro picture there with the dome with background and the old city and all that. So just again, everything of the best. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Abby. If anybody wants to be in touch with you and they didn't get your number, please just be in touch with me. I will pass it out gladly. One thing I've learned as a someone who's looking in that direction is that if you don't have the right advice, you don't have the right people, you will spend your time running around in circles, wasting time. Speak to Kim, cut through the gump, get to what you need to do, and get the service done. Kim, everything of the best. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me on. Great. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. DJ, Craig, thanks for pushing the buttons. And we will speak to you guys next week.